thank you for listening to the official podcast of White Oak Pentecostal Holiness Church, where we cultivate true worshipers in Wilson, North Carolina. For more information on White Oak, visit whiteoakphc.com. been on the inside for a couple of months now and I've been telling my husband I want to sing this song so bad I want to sing it so bad and I said you know I've been, I've been like well we, we don't have rehearsal I can't rehearse I can't I you know I so I've been waiting for God to give me an opportunity to be able to sing this song that's been on the inside so Choir, even though you're not up here, I expect you to act like a choir. Amen? When are you never a deacon? When are you never a singer? You're always a singer. Amen? You always serve. Right? And this song is real simple. And it relates so much to my message on this morning. So I'm excited. I sat here with butterflies on the inside of my stomach. And I know they weren't butterflies of nervousness. But they were butterflies because I'm excited. I was giddy on the inside, ready to share what God has shared with me. So Brandon's done you guys a favor. And he's put some words up. Light in the darkness, my 
Maybe you're not believing for something like I am. But when you think about the words of that song, Brandon, do me a favor and turn this speaker down. When you think about the words of this song, Waymaker, Waymaker, which means that even when there's no path to get to where I'm trying to get to, that means if you can imagine a forest, trees surrounding you, and you're trying to get home, you've been placed in a place You've been put in a place where you can't see where you're trying to get to. I'm in the middle of a forest and there's no path. Waymaker. Waymaker. Which means he's cut down some trees for you. He's cleared some brush for you. Waymaker. Miracle worker. Miracle worker. Which means the doctor said there is no cure. The doctor said, there's nothing else I can do. The lawyer said, you got to serve this time. There's nothing else I can do. It's out of my hands. But we serve a miracle worker. Y'all ain't believing God for nothing. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Which means the blessings that God had laid up for Abraham. The blessings, y'all ain't believing. I'm going to go back up here. The blessings that God had laid up for Abraham are still working today. So if you would just believe in the promise keeper, the one that said, I'm going to do it, you don't have to keep asking for it. But if you keep holding on to my promises, I promise I'm going to keep you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. We're in a world that is dark. That is dark. Meaning that we're walking with people that don't know they can't see. 
would be like, come here, Cece. Come here, Jay. Come here, come here, Gabby. Walk around. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Walk around. Come here, come here, Peyton. Walk around. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Walk around. Walk around. Everybody can't see. They're walking around, they're bumping into one another. Walk, close your eyes, close your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Don't walk in a circle. Don't walk in a circle. Light in the, so what God does, he comes in and says, open your eyes. Open your eyes, open your eyes. Walk around and see, because he's light in the darkness. Have a seat. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, Light in the darkness. My God. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. Are you believing God for something? Don't get quiet on me. Are you believing God for something? I do give honor to God, who's the head of my life. I give honor to my pastor, my mother. Hey Amen. I thank God for parents who... I was reflecting on this week. Excuse me. I thank God for parents who were lovers of God, who taught my brothers and I the way. But you know, they also raised us. Because I know plenty of church kids, I know plenty of preacher kids who felt like their parents weren't there. And there's a difference in going to church and being the church. Because we could go to every service. Monday through Sunday and still go to hell because we didn't take care of home. Your first ministry as a parent is to your children. I don't know where this is coming from. But you can't bring your children to church and expect that to be enough. You have to live a life before them that proves itself worthy. Children are a blessing. Ramallah, you're a blessing. Unique, you're a blessing. My name means blessed one. You know what your name means? 
We're going to talk about some name meanings today. So we're going to talk about Jacob. I give honor to my husband in the back. Amen. I give honor to my parents in love. Amen. I am excited. Y'all just don't know. And I hope, I keep asking this question over and over again. I hope you came in expecting. Because we're about to give birth to something today. All right, is that all right? Turn to Genesis chapter 32. You know, God hasn't given me a child yet, but I told him he keeps giving me these words. He keeps giving me this, and I feel like I'm pregnant. Because sometimes he'll send some pain along with it. But that's all right. Genesis chapter 32. Oh, I believe it. You ain't, you ain't got to keep telling me. I believe it. Because let me tell you something. We're going to talk about Jacob, and I know I'm getting ready to get ahead of myself, but Jacob did something. He held on and didn't let go. He held on because he needed something, and he didn't let go. He said, I'm not going to let go. Come on, let's turn to Genesis chapter 32. Let's start off in the King James Version. And let's start at verse 22. Now, Jacob, Jacob has an interesting story. And a lot of times what's talked about with Jacob is Jacob was kind of a trickster. It's conniving. And that's pretty much what Jacob means. Because he tried to get over on folk. Know somebody like that? Come on, it's all right. You ain't, I ain't say say no names. <laughs> he was a trickster. Conniving. Even tried to get over on his twin brother. Esau. Jacob was a twin. Jacob was also the grandson of Abraham. Amen? So, we know the story of Abraham, right? We know the promises of Abraham, right? Abraham was a blessed man. And his seed from then on was to be blessed. Amen? Was Jacob Excluded from that promise? No. He wasn't. Even though he did wrong. Come on, that's a message right by itself. Because some folks will tell us, you, you, oh, you've done this and that. You, well, you, you, you've, you've messed up. But you're still worthy of the promise that God has for you. Because the thing about God is, what I love about him is even when I mess up, 
when I know I've done something I shouldn't have done. God, I can go to God and say, God, forgive me. I was wrong. I know it won't right. Have mercy on me. And he forgives me. And the next time that thought comes to mind, God is looking down on us and saying, what are you talking about? Because as soon as we ask for forgiveness, it is erased. And it's not like our erasers that we have down here. Because, you know, sometimes we erase with a pencil, RJ. You ever done that in class? Can't you kind of still see the words up there? Right? You can still see, like, a little faint, right? The impression in. But God's eraser isn't like that. Because once he, once he takes it and, and erases it, it's no longer there. There's no imprint. He don't know what you're talking about. It's been, it's gone. So Jacob... He had an interesting story. And as I said, he was a twin. His brother's name was Esau. He tricked Esau for his birthright. Amen. And he lived for years in fear of his brother. Because he was worried. Esau. And his mama kind of told him a little bit. I'm giving you a little back history. Your brother going to kill you. So they worked up a plan because Jacob was Rebecca's favorite. That's his mama. And Esau was Isaac's favorite. That's the daddy. And the daddy liked Esau because Esau was rugged. He had hair on his arms and on his legs, and he was a big dude, and, you know, he liked it because he could go out and hunt and bring back in food. He's like, that's what I got a boy for. That's what men are for. He loved his son Esau. But Rebecca loved Jacob. And the Bible talks about Jacob being smooth, which means he didn't have no hair. <laughs> he, was, he was smooth, right? So he, he, you can imagine... Amen. My nephew, I love him. I love him. But you can imagine Jacob, not a big man, right? Not a, <laughs> not a big man, right? Smooth, not hairy, won't going out to hunt. Ain't that right, RJ? <laughs> now, he might can get Tyler to go out there. <laughs> but probably, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. So Jacob was that son. And his, his mother, had, they had worked up a scheme. They were, they were trying to get him out of being killed. But he lived for years. The Bible talks about 20 years in fear that Esau would come after him. Because he knew he had done wrong. All right? So in, in chapter 32, I am learning to totally depend on God. And totally, I, I, I'm, guys, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, it, it seems like lately, every time God gives me a word, he don't give me no notes. So, <laughs> I'm just learning to totally depend on him and listen to him. So, so I, when, when I tell you that, it, it, and I, I believe a part of this is preparing me for something else. So... 
everything that God does is intentional. It's intentional and it's purposeful. So even the small lessons that he tries to do with us are for a reason. Amen. So I know that this thing God is teaching me to do, because I will write notes to day's end. God knows I'm a writer. I, I, love, I love writing stories. That's my thing. And he knows I will go too far with my own thoughts. So what he has done is said, well, I won't speak until I know you're going to listen and totally depend on me. So he's, he's, I don't even have a title yet. But I'm telling you, all he gave me was Genesis chapter 32. And we were riding home last night, and I asked Brandon, I was driving. I said, can you read Genesis chapter 32? Because I don't know what it is. <laughs> or I asked him about reading Jacob. He found it for me, and that's with Genesis chapter 32. So I'm expecting, just as you're expecting, so in Genesis chapter 32, God was, or Jacob was re preparing to meet Esau. He knew that Esau, his time had come. And Esau was coming to meet him. Now Jacob did what most people do when they're worried about something. He got afraid. He got scared. Scared of the unknown. And, I, you know, the, the important thing about the word is that it's, 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 it can be transcended into whatever we're going through today. So think about whatever that is that's in my life right now that's caused me to be afraid. I don't know what's on the other side of this. I don't know what could happen, what should happen, what's going to happen. And that causes fear. Amen? And you know, church folk would have you believe. I know. Bad Jessica. Talk about church folk. But let me tell you something. Church folk would have you believe that you're not supposed to feel that type of stuff. You saved. You ain't supposed to be scared. What's wrong with you? You saved. You're not supposed to be depressed. You're saved. You're not supposed to worry. But guess what, guys? As long as we're in this stuff called flesh, you're going to get those feelings. You're going to get those feelings. And the important thing to, to recognize is that when those feelings come, there's an answer. Amen? When those feelings come, there's an answer. So, Jacob had the same feelings that we have. He was worried about something, and he got afraid. So he tried to prepare. We're going to start at verse 22. But a little bit before that, it talks about Jacob praying. And researchers not acknowledge this as being the first prayer written in the Bible. 
I didn't give Brandon this, but let me say the prayer that Jacob said. Verse 9, and Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saith unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me. He's going to kill me. And the mother with the children, and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed. He made, him, he made God aware of his promises. He said, God, this is what you said to me. I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Amen. So he, was, he, he did go to God and he prayed and he was worried and he even told God, I am afraid. But, you know, I saw something. So, someone asked this uh, theologian, what's the most important part of, your, of the prayer? And we've had that discussion, I think, in Bible study before. What is the most important part of prayer? Is it the forgiveness? Is it the thanksgiving? What is it? What is the most important part of prayer? And this man, he answered, and he said, well, I believe it's the 15 minutes after you say amen. Yeah. The 15 minutes after you say amen. Because, you know, when we're praying, we're talking straight to God. And we we feeling it, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, give me some praying music. In the name of Jesus. Because this is what we hear in our head when we pray. In the name of Jesus, God, I'm coming to you right now as humbly as we know how. And we feel it. And you feel the faith. And you feel strong. You feel mighty. But what happens after we say amen? Does your faith continue? So Jacob prayed. But after he said amen, he was still afraid. Verse 22, we're going to read the King James Version, and then we'll go back and break it down with uh, the Amplified Version. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. So Jacob is trying to get people, he's trying to get his people away from where he thinks Esau is coming to. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent, sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he had prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, 
for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince has thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after, after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore, the children of Israel eat not of the sinew, which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh until this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. Amen. Let's go to the King James Version. I mean, I'm sorry, the Amplified Version. Verse 22. So Jacob, like we said, he was worried. And before it starts in verse 22, he had actually sent the two, the two, uh, the large gathering of people that followed him away in two different packs. So he said, well, I'm going to separate my two, my, my, my village that I have that's with me into two packs so that if, if Esau finds one of them and kills them, I'll still have another. So Jacob in his mind has started to make plans. This was after he prayed. Did it say God had told him to separate his village? No, it didn't. Did it say God advised him? No, it didn't. God hadn't yet spoken. But Jacob took matters into his own hands, as we do so many times. We take the situation, and we think, well, this is my life. I got to do something. But it's not our life. This is not our life. The only reason we're here is because God said so. So of his own accord, he sent his two, two, two groups away. And then the last group to leave from him was the people closest to him. That was his wives and his women servants and his 11 sons. And he said he sent them away over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across the brook. Also, he sent over all that he had. So Jacob was preparing for the end. He was prepared. He sent over everything. This was the place where he lodged. This was his home. So not only did he send all of his people away from their home, not thinking that God would do what he asked for in his prayer. But he sent everything across the river with his family. But Jacob stayed behind. Verse 24, and it says, And Jacob was left alone, 
and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, the book of Hosea, chapter 12, I believe it is, around about verse 4, it references this, this exact uh, part in the Bible, and it talks about this man being an angel. So Jacob believes because he knew it wasn't a regular man. He knew that this, 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 this being in front of him wasn't like the men he had dealt with in his camp. So he said, this must be God. There's no other explanation for it. But later scriptures do tell us that this was an angel. Verse 25 says, and when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, hmm. go back for me, Brandon. I am believing God for something. I'm actually believing God for a whole lot of things. To be honest with you, I don't know about you. Maybe you're not praying for nothing right now. Maybe you got every heart's desire. Maybe God has blessed you so that you're just living and you don't have nothing to worry about. You don't have no needs that aren't met. You don't have no wants that aren't met. Maybe that's you. And that's wonderful. Bless God. And I pray one day to be in that position. But right now, I'm believing God for some things. Jacob was believing God, kind of, to deliver him from the hand of Esau. Now, I believe, this is Jessica's theory, that Jacob stayed behind to be alone because he was afraid and didn't want his wives to see. He's a man. Want my woman to see me afraid? Amen, men? Amen, yeah. You know, the, the, the <laughs> he didn't want his, woman, his women to see him afraid because he has, he has that thing called pride. And God recognized the day that Jacob was full of pride. So he knew he had to do something in order to get Jacob off that pride horse. And he knew... For Jacob to really get this, because Jacob knew the Lord. He knew the Lord. He knew who God was. But he, he, so he knew in order for Jacob to get this thing, I got to do a miracle. Yeah, miracle work. Because he reminded me of my promise in the prayer, right? He reminded me of my promise. But in order for him to get this thing, I got to do a miracle. Because otherwise, Jacob's not going to understand 
that it's not his battle, but it's mine. So what I got to do is do something extraordinary. I got to do something that Jacob's never seen before. I got to do something that will make him open his eyes so that he can understand the wondrous things out of my law. I got to do something in order for Jacob to see. This is not your fight, Jacob. You're still my child. I know you've messed up. I know you didn't listen sometimes. I know you made mistakes, but you're still my child. So what God did, he sent an angel to Jacob. Come here, Tyler. I'm only calling Tyler because he's so much bigger than I am. He sent an angel to wrestle with Jacob. Don't laugh, y'all. It gives him, <laughs> makes his head big. All right. So he's sitting an angel. I want you to put your hands on Tyler. Come here. All right. He's, a, he's getting ready to wrestle. He's a grown up, okay? Don't hurt me. <laughs> All right. So he's sitting an angel to wrestle with Jacob. We had to have a script. Um, <laughs> had to give him the script, frankly. All right. So he sent an angel to wrestle with Jacob. And they wrestling. Wrestle me, Tyler. What? You ain't seen WWE? Okay. All right. So he sent an angel to wrestle with Jacob. And they're going back and forth. They're going back and forth. And Jacob's getting tired. And the angel is saying, this is going on long enough. So he says to Jacob, come on, let's stop. Daybreak is coming. It's almost daytime. We've been wrestling all night long. We've been going at this all night long. And you still going. What's wrong with you, Jacob? Come on. It's time to stop. What's wrong? And what did Jacob say? He had a hold. Where you going? Where you going? He had a hold on the angel. And the angel is trying to get him to. You pushing me away. Okay. The angel is trying to get him to back up. And Jacob is saying, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let go because you haven't blessed me yet. Because I know this isn't an ordinary man. You got some connections to the Father. Sorry, I'm messing up your shirt. So if you got connections to the Father, then I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Because I know the way maker, the promise keeper, the miracle worker is connected to you. So if you let me go, I won't get what I need. So if I let you go, I can't get what I need. So I'm not going to 
Come on here, somebody. Do you need something on today? often, too often, too often, too often, too often, we go through stuff, and as soon as it gets too hard, as soon as my legs get tired, as soon as I start losing my breath, as soon as my arms start to hurt, as soon as the doctor says something I don't want him to, as soon as the lawyer says something I don't want him to, we start to give up. We give up. Save woman, man of God, you give up too easy. That's it. There's your message title. You give up too easy. You give up too easy. You give up too easy. I know it's hard. I know it's a whole lot of years of school. I know it's hard. You give up too easy. God is trying to bless you, but you can't make it through the test. He's, he said, I'm trying. You've been praying for this one thing, and I'm trying to give it to you. But you can't make it through this test. Hallelujah. You give up too easy. You are a man and a woman of God. You serve the way maker. You serve the miracle worker. You serve the promise keeper. The light in the darkness. And you gave up? I don't know what God you serve. But the God I serve is an intentional God. And he didn't raise you to be a quitter. There's a saying that says mama didn't raise no quitter. Mama didn't raise, well God didn't either. That test you're in is to make you stronger. Said I'm trying to build your strength. That, uh, 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 <laughs> a muscle builder can't get huge. I've done this one time before. They can't get those muscles they be trying to show without going through some pain. 
You know, there, there's, there's one, there, there, there's a, a motion that we, we, we call in the gym. It says you, it's rep till failure. So that it means that you do this rep. If I'm, pre, if I'm bench pressing, I'm chest pressing, I do this until failure, which means I'm, until I can't do it no more. I do it until And you know what happens in the gym when you get to the last set, that last rep, and you can't do it no more? There's somebody that's behind you. There's somebody that's behind you, and they come to help you. And believe it or not, that's why we go to church. Because some folks will have you believe that it's just about coming to church. But I come to church to get strengthened. Because I know there's some people here that believe like I do. And if I don't feel like it, maybe Cece feels like it. And maybe she's going to help me get my praise out. Because I don't. That's why we come to church. That's why you come. That's why you come. That's why you come. Because when we don't come, we're weak. Because if you hang in a world that is completely dark and you are constantly around people as we talked about earlier that are walking around blind in the dark can't see you do that every single day every single day and you don't come to the place for strength you don't come to the place where the miracle worker is where the promise keeper is, where the light and the darkness is, and you expect God to take you out of that one situation that you've been praying about, and God said, I gave you a place where you can go and get some strength, but you won't. What do you think Bible study is for? What do you think it's for? For folks to hear themselves talk. It's a midweek service, as Pastor would call it. It's a midweek service because sometimes you can't make it to Sunday. Kind of messed my hair all up. Sometimes you can't make it all the way to Sunday. So you need a pit stop. And NASCAR, they got them things called pit stops. Because after they go so many laps, they got to come in to get some new tires. They got to make a pit stop to make sure everything is working all right. Because if they go too long, 
going round and round this track without making that pit stop. They'll run out of gas. They'll run out of good tires. Amen. Hallelujah. And you trying to make it all week without word. Come on here, somebody. You ain't made a pit stop. You won't make it. Heard, heard that saying saying seven days without God makes one week. Not W-E-E-K, W-E-A-K. It makes you weak. Seven, seven days without God makes one week. Because we can't go that long if we call ourselves children of God and not be strengthened by him. Because let me tell you something, going through this world will drain you. I work in a profession that if I heard those people talk all day long, all week long, and I wasn't able to come into a place where I know I can get some strength, I'd be messed up. I work with people who are depressed. I have coworkers who are depressed. I've been pulled into closets and said, pray with me. Because of the profession that we work, because we deal with people on a daily basis that are constantly pulling at you. And if I work with people all week long that are pulling at me, pulling at me, and pulling at me, and I don't come into the house of God to get some strength, I don't come into the house of God so that he can hold me up, I won't make it. You are not exempt from the pressures of this world. Believe it or not, woman and man of God, you are not exempt. You will go through. But listen to what I said. Didn't say you were going to stop in it. Didn't say that that was going to be the end. You will go through. So where you're at right now is not an indicator of where you will be. Tariq, God said, I have a miraculous <laughs> I have a miraculous plan for you. <laughs> I got to hear him speak it. I have a miraculous plan for you. He said, if you keep coming. Because he knows it's against what those around you would have to believe what's right. But if you keep pressing your way, those things that you want to, to have done, that house you want, that marriage you want, he's going to work it out. And it's going to be better than any plan you could have thought of. Miracle worker.
promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Guys, gals, church folk. Your struggle is for a purpose. This struggle, whatever you're going through, is for a purpose. Sometimes I ask God, and he already gave me the answer. I just think I just be like to hear myself talk. Why have me in this profession where I feel like I can't say nothing? like my voice is useless now granted it's not because I don't speak up because I do but the people in higher places that's why we got to pray for those folk having their own mind of their own accord just like Jacob what's best God is telling me every day, this struggle, you're not struggling with an angel. Your struggle may look completely different. Hmm. Your struggle may be addiction. That struggle may be pornography. That struggle may be in my own house with my spouse. That struggle may be with my children. That struggle may be my finances, my housing situation. Whatever that struggle is, it may not look like an angel. But God has sent it for a purpose, just like he did Jacob. Because he's trying to teach you something. Because it evidently is something that you don't have enough of. God told me that thing for me was trust. You don't trust me enough. So he had to delay some stuff till I learned how to trust him. So you ain't got to tell me that it's coming. Because I trust God that it is. When I asked him why... I told him I don't understand, CC. Told him, my daddy is a good man. He was a good man. He had one wife. He loved his children. He loved his church. Would you take something so precious? God said, so you learn how to trust me. 
Because it's easy when you feel like you got that backbone to lean on. That's real easy. When you know if you fail, that person will pick it up. So, when I wanted to give up, when I felt like I couldn't take no more, when I had to cry out, I had to tell someone on this week, I don't know when we stopped. We heard this saying of don't ask God, don't question God. I, I don't know when that came about, but my Bible doesn't say that. Because how else will you know if you don't ask? There's plenty of people that cried out to God, why? There's plenty of people in the word that cried out, why? Because I won't know unless you tell me. So this struggle... Whatever that struggle looks like, you got to wrestle, you got to fight until he does it. Until he pulls you out of that situation, until he blesses you the way you want him to, you got to hold on and fight. Realizing it's not a fair fight. It's not a fair fight. You have already won. You are victorious. Christ gave you the victory over 2,000 years ago. All you have to do is not give up. Don't give up so easy. To remind Jacob, because Jacob won that fight, that struggle between him and that angel that he thought was God. He won that struggle. Which is why the angel was saying, we got to stop. You're kind of strong, Jacob. He had to remind him that it's not about you. And it's not you that won. But it's the God you serve. Because you realized that you were fighting for something. So that Jacob wouldn't forget. So that Jacob wouldn't. So that he wouldn't look back on that day and think that it was me. I did it. I beat him. Because at that time, he thought it was God. I wrestled with God and won. So that Jacob wouldn't be arrogant and to fix that pride that he had in the beginning. Remember, I, I told you, I thought the reason why he stayed behind was because he wanted to be fearful alone. Because he wasn't praying during that time. But his pride wouldn't let himself show that in front of those that he loved. So God realized that Jacob was prideful. 
and to renounce the pride because the Bible said, what comes before a fall? Pride. Pride. Pride is not of God. There's a difference in being proud of someone, being proud of my accomplishments. But pride says that it was me, that I did this. I did it on my own. Solo dolo. Is that right? Yeah. I did it by myself. So in order for Jacob not to think that, he had the angel, God had the angel to touch his thigh. And when he touched his thigh, it was immediately dislocated. He broke his hip. Not from wrestling them, because God touched. Because he said, I got to teach Jacob something. And you know, back then, they didn't have all these nice surgeries and things like that. So he couldn't get, go get that hip repaired. So for the rest of Jacob's life, he walked with a limp. And every step he took, he was reminded of that struggle, that fight that he had with that angel that was trying to teach him something because he knew when he walked with that limp that it wasn't him that, that, God, that God delivered him from the hand of his brother Esau because after that it talks about the scriptures talk about the people that he had sent ahead, he had, he had prepared, and we didn't talk about this, but he had prepared and he had sent his, his, his people with, to, to Esau, to meet Esau. And he had sent them cattle, and he had sent them goats, and he had sent them all these animals, and he was trying to give Esau a present. He said, Esau, take this. Don't kill me. Of his own accord, of his own thinking, not realizing that he served the miracle worker he served the promise keeper, but he tried to do it in his own strength. So he tried to send a peace offering. But God had already worked that thing out. Because God handled that situation. Esau didn't kill him. The, the victory was his the moment he believed. Amen. Amen. And if I can leave you with the thought, other than to don't give up so easy, is the victory is yours the moment you believe. Amen.
Amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Amen. I just pray. I just like snot and cry all through my messages now. <laughs> but I'm telling you that when he ministers to you, he ministers to me. Because the message is first to the messenger. Amen. Once again, all of us here at White Oak, thank you for listening. God bless. Thank you.